Welcome back. If you didn't join us for part one, we discussed how to keep new members engaged throughout this pandemic and different ideas on how we can celebrate our senior sisters to give them an appropriate close to this chapter of their lives. We are thrilled to have Erin of Fired Up join us for our discussion on membership retention. So switching gears just a little bit, another thing that we're grappling with at the national organization level is member retention. Obviously, Mm -hmm. um, this pandemic has had uh, an impact on the experience and we suspect that it may have, or we predict, it will likely have an impact on the retention, either because women are away and perhaps they've lost the connection or you know, maybe there's other circumstances that preclude them from fully participating in a sorority experience. Mm-hmm. How could we um, strategize and think about retention from a holistic undergraduate experience perspective? Yeah. So retention is quite literally my favorite topic in all things sorority, uh, just because I've studied it so much. And I've done extensive research on asking women why they've left their membership. And it's really boiled down to a handful of big reasons that I think are going to continue being important um, as we think about like, what's happening in the country right now. And so we know that women are leaving because of lacking connection. We know that they're leaving because of misaligned expectations. Um, we know that they're leaving because of sometimes discord or drama. And we know that they're leaving because of a lack of worth or value in their experience. And so thinking about those four main reasons of why women have left sorority just before, like in, in a normal membership uh, period, it's also to th- remind ourselves of how does that show up now that we're in this virtual sense. And so my biggest concern and what I think is really going to essentially hurt our chapters the most is that connection piece. Right. Like, can you imagine what it would look like if I am a chapter member who has been around for like, I've been a chapter member for a year. And like, we go on quarantine and then we go on summer break and it's been two or three months before I see my chapter sisters again. And during those two or three months, not a single person ever reaches out to me. Maybe I get reached out to in some big group context, but as an individual, nobody's connected with me. I think that when I came back, I would probably leave too if I felt right. like nobody cared about me. Uh, when we look at the the data and like the open-ended responses that the, um, the qualitative side of the study, the number one phrase that we hear women say most often when it comes to this connection is they feel like they didn't matter. They left because they didn't think they mattered to their organization. And I think there are so many things that we can be doing and that we can be doing right now to help them feel reconnected. I think the one thing that every organization should be doing is creating a retention committee of some sort of identifying who are the women who are at most risk of leaving. These are women who are those like targeted areas of, man, maybe they're those new members who didn't get time to connect. Maybe they are, maybe they were out on um, study abroad for this last semester. And so not only did their semester kind of go online early, but they were already out of the country to begin with. And it's going to be a pretty long time before we see them in person again. Maybe it's somebody who hasn't showed up to meeting in a while. Maybe it's somebody who, as we're trying to post all these things online about ways to connect and showing up for online meetings, and they never show up. It's those kinds of women, especially, that we need to do that individual outreach to, and especially thinking about things like our friend groups. It's totally healthy for sororities to have friend groups. Where they turn negative is when they turn into cliques. 
And that's right. all about how inclusive and exclusive they are. Friend groups will help strengthen chapters and help women find identity. Clicks will help tear them down. And so if we do have friend groups, how do they welcome women who haven't found their place yet? How do they intentionally reach out and say, again, we'll talk about our, our chapter sister, Sarah, and be like, Sarah, like, like come and join our, our, our Skype call that we're doing this weekend or this week. We're just getting around and having coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning. Do you want to join us? Like imagine how much of a big difference that that would make to a member who already feels distance and on top of social distance. So I think there's a lot of intentionality that we need to put in there. And so not just thinking about what do we do as a large chapter, but what can we do in smaller groups and what can we do on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think about just in my experience when, if I get a blanket email about something, it's very easy to disregard. If there is yeah. like a huge group, you know, I don't feel special. I don't feel like my personal contributions or membership would be valued. So I absolutely agree that we need to be very mindful of how we are connecting one-on-one -on -one with our women, especially those, as you say, that may be at risk because they may be on the cusp on of, you know, maybe not returning, or maybe that's their position before this pandemic started. But even more so, I think our, our chapter leaders need to think and strategize of how are we going to be intentional about mm -hmm. reaching out to those volunteers or not volunteers, those uh, members because it is so important that we engage everybody and, and continue to form connections along the way until we're able to meet up in person again. Yeah, and it's, it's all about thinking large group, small group, individual. We know that we need to still meet as a large chapter, and those are going to be done through things like, like if, if your organization doesn't have some sort of a like group chat system um, that is easy to organize, like I always recommend Slack for that as like an easy mm -hmm. way to just kind of have multiple channels. There's things like that. There's the uh, like the big video meetings and everything. Those are our large group opportunities. And then thinking about like, can our leaders of our chapter lead and like initiate some smaller group activities that we can invite people to? Can we do things like our Netflix parties? Can we uh, like do an online board game together? Do our sisters have Nintendo Switch and they're playing Animal Crossing that is all the rage right now? And can <laughs> they get together and, and do that together? Um, can we do a crafting with a small group of people? Like tonight, like I'm not kidding, I'm taking an online bonsai class. I got a box <laughs> of bonsai materials delivered to my house and I'm taking a, a virtual bonsai class. Like there are so many different ways that we can continue to grow and learn and be together in smaller groups. And then I think when it boils down to this, those individual, that's all just reaching out to somebody and saying, can we, can we FaceTime for a little bit? Can, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you? Um, one thing that I've seen be really healthy for chapters at this time and just for, um, just for humans at this time is doing mental health check-ins, but do, not doing it in a way where you have to be like, I'm doing great and here's why, but simply by like indicating with an, with a, uh, like a, uh, oh my gosh, an emotion icon, uh, emoticon or something for, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm losing my words. Like what I've seen be really healthy is being like, Hey, pick the, col the color of the heart that resides with how you're feeling right now. A blue heart means I'm doing great. A red heart means like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm sticking in there. A yellow heart means I'm meh. A broken heart may mean I'm really mentally struggling. A purple heart might mean I'm struggling and I wouldn't mind if somebody reached out to me right now. And so we can see where our members are at and then have individuals who are like, I see a purple heart there. 
do we need to get on, on Skype together? Do we need to like, do you want to sit down and talk? Like, how can I be supportive to you? And I think being there emotionally for each other is also the way that we're going to continue to create that connection. Definitely. And I think that's a really innovative way of getting a pulse on how our chapter members are feeling. Um, I think it's also a reminder that we need to be vulnerable and honest with how we're feeling. I mean, I, yes. while you and I are optimists, I'm, I'm sure we still have like fears and stresses and anxiety about different things. And, you know, that's just because we're optimistic. That's not to say that we don't understand the gravity of the situation and the implications, um, you know, that we see coming down the road, but, you know, being in a space in a safe space to articulate truly how we're feeling but that can only happen if somebody asks how we're feeling right and mm -hmm. i think that's that's the duty of our sisters is to check in on one another to ask those questions how are you doing how's it going um what how are you feeling today etc so I, I definitely feel like that's a, a great recommendation of checking in because it, unless we ask, we truly don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the next step is to try to be there for that sister. Now mm -hmm. that you understand a little bit about what her feelings are or what her um, thoughts are surrounding the situation, then we could, you know, try to be more proactive of supporting her. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is being really intentional with the language that we use too. So it's really easy when we, we ask people all the time, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Like, it is almost like robotic of a response. Mm -hmm. um, but instead, like I've been changing, like my way of, of talking to people and saying, what's one thing that you're doing this week that brings joy into your life? Or what is one thing that you're really struggling with that maybe I can lend a hand with? And so that I'm specifically not just saying, how are you? But I'm saying like, how are you doing well right now? And how are you doing not so great that maybe I can be a, like a friend and care for you? And so I think sometimes opening up a little different level and a different dialogue is what our sisters need because they may not know how to respond to, when you ask someone how they are, they may not immediately be like, I'm struggling girl, like I need somebody. They're gonna go into like first like uh, instinct of being like, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. Right. Well, it's kind of, it reminds me of recruitment, right? Like when we're like ladies, we're not asking the potential new members what their major is and where they're from, right? Well, we need to go a little deeper here and we need to truly get to know where our sisters are or where our potential new members are. And so probing questions and in creative ways, I think is certainly the best way to get to know where people are. Yeah. And like you hit the nail on the head, like this, essentially what we're doing through all this is preparing ourselves to have better conversations when recruitment does come around too. So we can take a lot of the stuff that we're doing now as ways that we can educate and grow our chapter in their own conversation skills. I agree. I agree. Erin, do you have any last parting words for us or any words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would just say like along the lines of the retention aspect is like the connection piece is so important, but we can't forget that we still need to align expectations and provide worth and value at this time too. Our chapter members are going to have a lot of questions about what this means for them, what this experience looks like. And we need to be careful about how we align their expectations of knowing that right now is not going to look like a normal rest of the semester. And right now our summer is not going to look like how our summer typically does. And being really upfront with the information that we do have and the ways that we're trying to be flexible and supportive and just trying to keep our chapter members as informed as possible to help align their expectations so that they don't want to leave and they don't feel like they're in the dark. Same thing applies to the whole aspect of making sure this is still worth it for them. There's got to be some value in all of this. Uh, what are some lessons that we can still learn? What are some ways we can still engage our chapter members in their own growth? 
so that sorority continues to add value to their lives even when they're not physically there. So I'm going to be happy to share some resources with you as well, some things that can continue through, but uh, those would be my other parting words of wisdom. Erin, I'm so thankful for our partnership with you. You have provided us with so much to consider and act on. I think this information will definitely help our undergraduate women with regards to maintaining our connection with Sigma Delta Tau. If you want to learn more about the work Erin does, you can visit firedup.com. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Margot Manley-Lima, and you've been listening to Sigma Delta Talk.